Hey everybody, it's Mario here, host, or one half of the host of the Peaky Pod, alongside... The other half of your host, Zachary. Welcome. Hey, well, thanks for listening to this episode. This is the first time we actually do a pre-roll ad, and you'll probably hear it one more time at the end. But we'd just like to announce an upcoming show that we are planning called the Story Archive Show. We plan on that being our kind of hub for doing one-off uh, reviews of movies and maybe specific episodes of TV shows that are on our gauntlet or thanos gauntlet of Mm -hmm. the greatest tv shows ever and uh we want to invite you to subscribe we're going to put the links in there but if you don't want to go to the show notes just type in spotify or apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts the story archive show and we should pop up so please subscribe follow us and uh let us know how you're liking the peaky pod we hope you enjoy this episode and take care thank you Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Peaky Pod by Story Archives. I'm your host, Mario, alongside... Zachary, your other host. Welcome. Sorry for the delay, ladies and gentlemen. I've, after two years, I finally <laughs> finally caught COVID and uh, hit me like a brick for about <laughs> three days, <laughs> still lingering. Although today, I got to say, I don't have the sinus pressure that I've had for like the last uh, week. But, uh, it's good. You're, you're sounding better. You're yeah. sounding better. I think I sound back to normal at this point, like uh, like 98.3. That's like us. Yeah, I'd, I'd keep it a few points off of 100, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, those first three days were, were something, man. Something. Uh, uh, spare me the details. <laughs> I, I, You know, I got to go into a little bit. It's like uh, when you when COVID first came out, you know, like as if this was like a release, you know, releasing a season of COVID. <laughs> You get a little bit paranoid, like any little bit like tightness in the chest or like any mm-hmm. sort of like cough or shortness of breath. And you're like, shit, is it COVID? Is this yeah. it? But no, once you get it and if it hits you good, you know, it is Im- unmistakable. Like the back pain, like the actual back soreness and stuff like Jesus. And anyways, <laughs> I'm back. Uh, unfortunate. Well, fortunately for me, but unfortunate to the cadence of our recording. I'm leaving out of town on vacation for a week tomorrow, so uh, we did want to pepper one in there and at least satiate the the thirst of uh, Peaky Blinders content because we know, like the rest of you, we're like you. Uh, Peaky's is over, and just any sort of taste of Peaky kind of just keeps us keeps us going as we await. Yeah, as we, we got to keep film. us sustained until that movie comes out. Well, we've got four episodes to go, and then from there it's just you know maybe uh an episode yeah, i won't even commit to anything in terms of what it could be i, I know we'll do some stuff but uh after that mm-hmm. it's it's on to some other shows I've, I've been on some other things i've finished stranger things Same. um i just started terminal list on amazon prime which you would love zach um i think i've seen the trailer for that it looked pretty it's good. fantastic it's fantastic uh and then blackbird just came out on apple tv um with blackbird what is that about uh, it's about a guy. I think it's Taron Egerton. I think that's his name. Uh, mm-hmm. I always have a hard time pronouncing his name. Uh, he played Elton John in the biopic, and um, he gets arrested 
and accepts a deal that kind of like locks him up longer than he anticipated. Mm-hmm. But they offer him, they offer to commute his sentence if he would go into a maximum security like prison for the criminally insane. If he's oh, able, yeah. if he's able to get a confession out of a serial killer in the prison, hmm. so it's it's one of those. It's kind of like Mindhunter away, okay. which is a, which is a pretty great show. Uh, it's got me. It's, it's got me in. Apple TV strikes again, man. I think this might just be the Apple TV pod. Uh, it might be. I mean, they're killing it, honestly, right now. I haven't really can watched we just, a single show can, I haven't liked. Can we just rebrand and and get sued by them and then use the publicity to get hired by them as, like, the exclusive <laughs> Apple TV pod? I don't know. You never know. Oof. Why the hell not? They say any publicity is good publicity, right? Listen, I'm sucked into For All Mankind right now, so I got another another episode Still? that just came out tonight. I, I gotta get into well, that. The new season just came out. Season three's out, and you know they just released another episode tonight. I think episode four. Okay. Of uh, of season three. Okay. And so I mean, I'm, the first two seasons were better than season three. I will admit to that, but it's still really great. It's it's, hmm. it's got me watching every week. All right, all right. Well, next things uh, aside from Peaky Blinders will be the season review of stranger things we're just going to do a one episode review we may drop a little teaser in the peaky pod to kind of let you guys know what we're up to on the story archives podcast which you need to go and follow and subscribe to if you haven't done so already because that's where you're going to hear the majority of our content when we're not working on peaky blinders and you can stay up to date with all the greatest and latest entertaining tv shows of the world all right, Zach, let's Absolutely. get into season four, episode three of Peaky Blinders, titled... Let's do it. Blackbird. Wow, so the movie that, or show you just told me about... Oh, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Blackbird. See, Zach, I was like, I don't, wow, that sounds familiar. I don't, weird. I don't listen to what I'm saying, so I'm glad you're doing it. <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. What a coincidence. This, is, this episode follows the events of Christmas Day, where Michael and... And John were were shot up, and Michael's mm-hmm. continuing his his active recovery in the hospital. But the yeah. the gang is very much still being pursued by Changretta and the gang. Uh, that was a redundant sentence, but yeah, a little, little bit. You see, Tommy, Tommy's strategy here is: I mean, the Peaky Blinders have a chokehold over Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have just a- absolute control over the city. Uh, they have the loyalty of the men. They have loyalty of the police. They have pretty much everything that they need. And you see Tommy using the chaos to kind of, kind of choke control of the city while the police are distracted with other matters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think he's using this whole like communist storyline that's going on to his advantage, as he's alluded to to Jesse Eden on occasion right where yeah he needs the city to be kind of like the wild west so that he can deal with this vendetta against changretta because he did vow not to use cops although whether tommy will uphold that vow is another story Uh, i don't know man when you're dealing with the black hand you never know or when you get dealt the black hand i guess it didn't didn't this all happen right after Everybody went on strike, so there was no factory workers. It's kind of hilarious how many people are kind of running back to the factory trying to trying to work now. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I think all those things, like a strike is only as impactful as is the workers are as you know. It's, it's like a, it's a game of it's a game of chicken, right? 
But uh, Tommy wants it that way for now. He wanted the uh, strike to occur so that he could essentially uh, have the city. You know, every yeah, face. Exactly. He wants to pretty much dominate security and, and li- limit the vulnerabilities that they have in their system. Uh, on to Michael. I have some questions about Michael and his overall uh, character in this episode. Okay. His mother, his adopt the mother who adopts him and raised him pretty much, comes mm-hmm. to visit him in the hospital. And he's so cold to her. Uh, he finds out that his father died or his adopted father died. For all intents and purposes, seems like a good family. Seems like she was Yeah, they seem nice. Seems like she was a good mother to him. Seems like the way he reacts to the father having died, that he was a good adopted father. And the the most criminal thing that they did for Michael was give him a a calm, normal upbringing in a suburban neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Mind you, Michael hasn't bothered to visit her, bothered to visit his father. You know, it's yeah. For me, it's I lose I lost respect for Michael a little bit here. I, I did too. You know, if just it's not her fault that he was taken from his real mother, you know, mm-hmm. she did what she could as, you know, as his adopted mother. And so she, tr- he treats her like trash and it's, uh, it's kind of, it's a bit disturbing. Cause I don't think we it's really disappointing. If he's able to treat her like that, who raised him, you know, what does that mean? You know, it just, it's just interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I I feel like Michael just really, really, be, I mean, you, you already mentioned it. He, he's really cold in this, yes, but I feel like we start to see his dark side come out here. Could it be that right. it's that he does care, but he's just, he knows he's decided a life of crime, and so he's trying to protect his adopted mother from essentially any danger that could be occur that could occur or during this vendetta that he doesn't want her near him because she could be used as like a chip against him in a way i don't know he 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 really seemed to me like he didn't care at all yeah like it didn't phase him just like why are you here yeah no it was cold it was cold um we got paulie in this episode rejoining the shelby company limited i always find it a little bit strange maybe because i'm an for the most part, an informal, improvisational being myself. The the way how official they do all of this, like, mm-hmm. does the board have approval for Polly joining the thing? Like, what are we doing? Everyone's, why are we going through the motions on this? It on seems this stupid over stuff? the top. It is yeah. over the top, right? It's not just me. It's like when he says, due to the circumstances of the treasurer's injuries, all accounting duties shall pass to Ada Thorne. You know, yeah, just kind of. You know, I I feel like every period piece sort of show always has that vibe of just being over the top. I wonder if that's just, you know, an artifact of a period piece being a period piece, or is that like, is that really trying to portray how people would talk and interface? I I always saw this as Tommy trying to play the part of the legitimate company. Like you didn't see any of this in season one and two or three, for the most part. True, or seasons one and two. And so it's kind of like we need a mindset change, guys. We're not a mm-hmm. backstreet razor gang. You know, we have to 
evolve here and our vernacular has to change as well you know yeah tommy does always kind of like say these lines with this with this like this is slightly stupid attitude yeah yeah he does say like i almost don't want to do yeah. say this stuff <laughs> but i have to go through the motions it's something you know. really official sounding on record for the for the rando just May- sitting there writing it down maybe he doesn't trust his family and they come back at him so he didn't officially announce these changes and they take him to court who knows you know, I mean, you are a criminal, like, uh, ring, so yeah, wouldn't put it past them. You mentioned something that caught my attention of uh, the historical pieces, but it completely evaded my mind. And I'm trying to remember what I was going to say. Oh, um, everyone's kind of concerned about Paulie's off-the-rails uh, behavior mm-hmm. in this episode. And Ada asks her to behave. And she turns around and essentially says behave you know like i'll comply because we're in a time of war but yeah. you know since i've joined this company i've lost a, have lost a husband she lost her love you know she's she lost mm-hmm. all these things she's nearly died and so it's kind of like a great moment because i think for the most part because we spend so much time with tommy yeah we have compassion and empathy for like what tommy's trying to do mm-hmm. but when she puts it so succinctly <laughs> it's like <laughs> Damn it, she's got a point. She definitely does not have to behave. Yeah. She's been through hell. Yeah. I mean, you can say the same for most of them as well. Yeah, but she's got the cojones to kind yeah. of follow through on the standing, sticking at the Tommy, right? Yeah. She's also the uh, the oldest here. She's still the elder of the group. If you don't count Charlie and... Uh, I think Charlie's like the only other one. Yeah, he's the only other one that's. I would say Charlie and Polly are probably the same age. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting dynamic going on in this episode where Arthur is very much trying to play with old gypsy tradition, where the the eldest takes out revenge against mm-hmm. the one who's seeking revenge on his family. So, technically, because John was killed by Luca, it should be. Arthur, who carries out the the killing of Luca Changretta, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what's going on in this episode is the kind of like the main family storyline there, where you have Linda who goes to Arthur's office to try to keep him away from the family meeting, which was puppeted by Aunt Polly, who's um, trying to use you know Linda's using sex, she's using drink, she's using whatever she can to keep Arthur out of harm's way and being a hothead and going after Luca, right? So mm-hmm. you have that. Tommy is, as we, as I just mentioned, is trying to like progress the company. So he's like, look, this is a time of war. I know we're going to vote on whether I should hand these papers to, uh, these pictures of Luca to Aberama Gold, but who, yeah. it doesn't matter who kills Changretta as long he, as he's dead. He wants to kill us all. doesn't matter if it's Arthur. It doesn't matter if it's Aberama. So whose side are you on here? Do you, First and foremost, do you get kind of like, what do you think about Linda going behind Arthur's back and, and kind of using using sex in a way to distract him and get what she wants out of him? Although it is kind of for his own good. It is kind of for his own good. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I would say I'm on I'm more on the side of you know Tommy trying to take the uh, tradition out of the picture here because they're dealing with uh, more than just a single person dealing with a very skilled group of people i agree i mean granted if we killed them all and changretta was last then i'd be like arthur by all means please kill him but 
other than that, if I if it means I can save my whole family and it doesn't matter who kills him, it could be some random Joe who's on the on the on the books. Yeah. You know, you go that route too. For sure. I mean it's definitely the safer of the route for you. Yeah. I think this episode there's kinda like a swing in the in the Changretta vendetta, right? You know, when mm-hmm. Arthur who actually although they try to stop him from going to the meeting to protect him it actually ends up being almost more harmful to him in the sense because he gets he gets jumped in this factory that there's yeah. a strike going on and because I mean damn it there's a strike going on and there's like six people working like what's going on in this factory well you get what I'm well, saying just, you get what I'm saying yeah. though like it's what is going on they just barred everybody from coming in how is stuff still going on yeah. Also, some uh, somebody stole the keys. Shout out to Stephen Knight for the the research he did. Is paint flammable? I or was think it? It could have been. Well, I I read in the notes that the reason they're throwing paint on the floor in this um cuz you see Arthur's covered in this red paint mm-hmm. uh is because they were trying to set the factory on fire. Now, I always thought those guys were decoys to distract him while Changreta's men came in to try to assassinate him. Yeah. But it turns out they were just trying to light the factory on fire. I always did find it random. They were throwing paint in the, in the basement. I was it, like, is, it is flammable, by the way. All, Still even till this day? In a way, aerated. Uh, I think so. Basically, any automotive paint prepared with reducers and lacquer thinner pose flammability issues when sprayed, spilled, or in any way aerated to the atmosphere so yeah well interesting arthur survives this jumping by two people which i gotta say is this is part of my issue with the changretta vendetta Mm -hmm. these are not skilled assassins man how are these guys skilled assassins i i just can't bring myself to believe it well it's i feel like they're more just like the goonies they're they're changretta's goonies goodness gracious like like they're not really assassins just like all right i've got seven men with me two of you go and it was a simple mission like they weren't there to kill them they were there to set the place in fire and then they got the living shit kicked out of them no that wasn't no they were there to kill arthur you are mistaken my friend the first two guys had nothing to do with them Oh, shoot. I forgot there was two guys yeah, before that. Yeah. Those are the guys who were just throwing right, the paint right. on the factory. My bad. And then the doors were left open, which becomes the other question in the episode is yeah. who the hell left the doors open in the factory when they were barred shut? These are some pretty weak assassins then. Yeah. I just find it like, come on. You know. It's... I also want to give credit where credit's due. Arthur's got some skills. I know, but he's wearing like these click clack shoes. <laughs> on metal flooring and he's sneaking around as if you can't hear him it is a loud factory though i mean there there would be a lot of noises you know roaring fires and furnaces and metal clanging in the distance yeah well i'm not the only one mad because when changreta in the next scene is fantastic uh oh, yeah. <laughs> As he as he shoves dry bread into one of his men's mouths, who's f- complaining about the food, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a ridiculous scene because he calls out what we're all thinking: is why are you dressed up like these mobster goons walking through the city? <laughs> like if I saw you walking down the street with black gloves, black coat, 
black bowler hat. Today, I think you're dressed really nice. But <laughs> back then, I would think you're out to kill me, you know? And they're looking Italian as hell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Extremely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just you got to fit in. And that's essentially what the message is. I, I always laugh at the scene because the guy with the, uh, the one not complaining about the food yeah. looks identical to a friend of mine. Oh, really? Identical. Identical. So I always crack up at this scene. But the way, if anybody ever gives me some nonsense, though, I'm definitely pulling a changretta and shoving a biscuit in their <laughs> mouth. <laughs> it's a it's a weird weird power move, but it, it works. Did you have you ever seen The Godfather? Of course, it's been a while, but I have seen it. Well, you know, Them. James Caan passed away this week, who played Sonny Corleone in oh, really? Godfather One. Yeah, he passed away yesterday or the day before. Dang. I can't help but feel, even the way Changret is dressed, that he's pulling most of his inspiration from Sonny Corleone. If you see the way he's dressed, he's got the, the vest, he's got the rolled up sleeves, he's a hothead. You know, he's it's completely Sonny Corleone. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, a photo of him. It does look exactly like him. Yeah, just like the way he's dressed, the mannerism, specifically in this scene, and the way he acts. Mm-hmm. It's found, you know, just because I've been thinking about James Caan, you know, Sonny is the role I always think of him in. Got you. Uh, back at, I guess this would be Shelby headquarters. Arthur's. Uh, this is the this is the gambling or the betting den or something yeah. like that. I always consider this like the true HQ. Uh, he's ready. Arthur's already been washed up with taking the pain off of him and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. And um, he's at this point, I think, caught on to the the puppetry going on on how the family's working against him mm -hmm. to keep him away from the harm that could come from being the one who carries out killing Changretta. Yeah. Which I mean, again, I'm I'm on Tommy's side. I wouldn't. You just lost one of your brothers. Your other one is Arthur and Finn, of all people. Well, it's like he lost his brother, albeit I think he lost the more replaceable brother. I agree with that. I think Arthur. It's definitely Arthur was Arthur's number two. Arthur's here. the most irreplaceable character mm -hmm. aside from Polly on the show. So, I'd say Tommy at this point is not going to lose another brother if he has the chance to, even if it pisses off Arthur. But you can respect Arthur. Like, it's it's very respectable what Arthur's trying to do here. Yeah. So, it's like, would you respect Arthur as much if he wasn't having such a hard time letting go of this vendetta? You know, I, I think this is this is one good thing that Arthur should be pissed off about. Right. But yeah. at the same time, with Arthur's character, and it's been this way since season one, Tommy kind of has to treat him like a child. Like Tommy no always knows better, even if it's not if it's not what you want to hear. Yeah, it's still the better decision for Arthur. Yeah, so. yeah, I I agree with you there, but I can't get that far ahead. But there are, there are times when Arthur is right and Tommy's ambition gets the best of him 
at times. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody can be wrong at times. <laughs> I, 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 uh, as weird as this sounds, I'm with Arthur on the whole thing about being pissed at Linda. Like, I would feel used if, if my wife just came to my office and, you know, we had this amazing hookup and I find mm-hmm. out my, my aunt was behind it. <laughs> like, that would piss me off to no, like, to no shortage of, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you were used, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, like, I'm staying out late that night. <laughs> it was a very weird scene, too. It was very out of, like, extremely out of character. Yeah, it was. Her. That's why it was like, this is too good to be true. Yeah. <laughs> like, the whole thing is just, it's too good to be true. And she continues as he gets home mm-hmm. until he grabs her, you know, forcefully. And it's like, Polly put you up to this, you know. This is... It's true. Paul, you know, Polly's getting in the ways and like kind of like breaking these unspoken un, unspoken Boundaries, bond between like rules, a yeah, yeah, between a man and his wife. It's like it's too much. Too much. Yeah. I get it though. Yeah. I get it. You know, it's it's a as long, as, long it, as you it, don't it, lose Arthur, the, we're good. The destination was right, but the uh, the trip the, was not the appropriate. The, ex- <laughs> the execution. But he wouldn't have listened if it was in any other way, you know? He damn near ki- almost killed him though with the yeah by dabbling a, with destiny there. There's a lot of things in here that you know end up you know convincing him of of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not just that one one little bit with Linda. Yeah. So the mole who left the door open. The first guess is that it's the foreman of the factory mm-hmm. who has become a Peaky Blinder through association. He also has a, um, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, what do you call that when you have like a, it's like a burning thing or like a, when there's like a, a key bit of evidence against you? Oh, a uh, smoking gun? Yeah, he also has a smoking gun that he has booked mm-hmm. tickets to meet up with his wife in Glasgow. One-way ticket. A one-way ticket. So, Tommy naturally thinks that this guy is probably one behind it. But, and by the way, I thought upon watching this for the first time and even re-watching this for the, I don't know how many times, mm-hmm. I thought this guy was guilty as well. However, once he goes into elaborating like... he. Why do you think I would want to get the hell out of town? You're fighting an army of Italians <laughs> who want to kill your entire family. Okay. He had some good arguments. The communists, the communists want you dead too. It's like, I got to get out of here, man. Yeah, I'm not getting paid enough for this shit. <laughs> That's essentially <laughs> the gist of this conversation. Yeah. And Tommy's like, all right, man, you're right. You're, you're, you've got a point here, my friend, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I'm with you. I thought he was guilty at first. Yeah, yeah. But he makes a convincing point. Oh, he does. You ever one of the most convincing convincing points in these types of scenes I've seen. You ever played L.A. Noir? Of course. This, yeah. this, I would let him go if he gave me this explanation. Yeah. That I was invested. <laughs> if I was like interrogating him. Yeah, that game was it's hilarious. Just a monologue of like two minutes. <laughs> I fall. I falsely convicted so many people in that game by on oh. accident, like just completely. That was that game was amazing. Yeah. That, the, that game was ahead of its time. I'd, I wish they would. I need a re. Yeah, I need a remake or like a sequel to that game. I would prefer a sequel. Yeah. 
I would love it. You 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 remember the uh, the main cop in that is the guy from Mad Men. Yeah, Cole. Uh, yeah. His name's Cole Phelps, right? In the I th- I'm pretty sure it's a it's Cole amazing because I forget most characters' names and everything. Yeah. But uh, that character, I just can't forget his name. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the guy, the foreman who Tommy suspects to be the mole, although he makes a great point and does not die at that meeting, uh, Tommy <laughs> does not allow him to leave. He is a Peaky Blinder now, and he is not allowed to go until Tommy says so. Okay. Interesting move. Yeah. The meeting with Jesse Eden and Tommy. I think Jesse Eden has like the most like romantic chemistry with Tommy. She's like the only one intellectually on his on his level, or at least kind of like sassy enough to to give him a challenge, right? Yeah, I would say sassy enough. Yeah, but she is a a, a pawn here that he's using to keep the factories in his secure control. Yeah, I, I feel Aside like I wouldn't today. put them on the same mental level because I don't think she realizes yeah, it. I don't. No, I don't think Grace was there either. I just think that she no. was closer than, like, say, Lizzie or something yeah. like that. Who does have her moment in this episode? Mm-hmm. Tommy goes to Jesse Eden's house under the guise of offering her a an improved union offer. However, what he's there for truly is to see if... She, she recognizes any of the men in the Changreta photo and if they showed up mm-hmm. to any communist meetings or have inf- infiltrated um, the communist party, right? Mm-hmm. Which At which point Tommy kind of doxes himself and shows that he's an agent of the crown and he's using that to his benefit here or to his gain to try to get information yeah. out of Jesse, who's not so willing here. She kind of, she pulls... She kind of jabs him in places that he did, you know, that no one would dare to do. She's done research on him and found out that he used to love a girl before the war, back mm-hmm. when Tommy was a normal non-gang leader, uh, named Greta Jurassi, who apparently died of, I think she died of consumption? Consumption, yeah. Which is tuberculosis. And I think, right? Yeah, I believe so. Arthur Morgan. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) Dutch. (laughs) (laughs) She kind of digs at him and kind of like gets in there. Definitely gets under his skin. She even pulls out a photo of old Tommy with this girl. We find out that Tommy was a confessed member of the Communist Party, which we did get kind of a, mm-hmm. an inkling with, with Freddie Thorne's storyline and Ada always kind of hinting yeah. that Tommy believes in something greater than himself. Yeah. It's the war that messed him up, man. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a chess match here where he digs at her, mentions her ex-husband or ex-boyfriend who killed himself after returning from the war. Mm-hmm. And she digs at him, bringing up this girl who has, who would probably be ashamed of the person that Tommy has become, and he knows it. She's essentially saying that he has changed completely. He's no longer the boy in the photograph. That's a fact. And there's no re- I mean, there's no rebuttal from Tommy in there. It's true. 
Now, do you think that she knew anybody in the photo? <clears throat> I don't see why she would want him dead. I don't either. We don't have enough of a backstory of her to have any sort of grudge of any sort. Not that I can see. I don't think. I think it, she was probably just heated. If she really wanted to, you know, if she really did know somebody, she wouldn't need that photo to pick out somebody who doesn't fit in, you know? Mm-hmm. She could do her diligence and find out. Yeah. Interesting, though, that Tommy takes the photo of him and Greta with him. He doesn't. He doesn't leave it at her place. Where did she get the photo? Like she, she was good friends with Greta's sister. Oh, that's right. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yep, yep, yep. All of these all of these uh relationships tie in all the time. It's like a spider web of people who know people that know people and know you. I mean, it's a small town, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, back the next day, after everybody kind of has their little emotional night, Arthur does take the advice of his wife and everybody else who's kind of like unspokenly saying the same thing, but yeah. that they ultimately know Arthur needs to make this decision for himself. And he does so in the most dramatic way. He fires the bullet in the back alley of his Birmingham house, but he does it in such a, I guess because I can't relate to that, that tradition yeah his pained reaction is he probably feels like he's betraying john boy right i would imagine that, that he that he couldn't protect his family as the eldest yeah i mean i feel like he he just feels like a complete failure here yeah did paulie get a haircut i was just about to comment that is some i don't even know what to call that <laughs> yeah what do you think about the uh girl power element in this episode they really all start to click up and come together and start to try and you know move the company in their own way i like it i mean i like it because of it fits with polly linda annoys me but um she annoys the crap out of me but i like polly and ada and lizzie i like lizzie too polly should not have taken that jacket off she looks like a freaking boy yeah she's dressed with the tie and the shirt which i don't think was common back then so i do think that they try to modernize the show in their own way yeah. to make it seem more progressive at times but uh i think they're just fast forwarding a timeline she, she it, would it be that far-fetched to call paulie like a maverick trailblazer for for women leading the workplace i i think it, she would totally do it i think yeah. my, my grandma's a badass like paulie like but yeah like she totally would have done something like this probably <laughs> so uh and it just doesn't matter it's more dependent on who the person is none of the other women are dressed like men in the office besides polly no. well they couldn't they couldn't pull and, it off. and she's in her own she's on her own kind of like tip right now right she's mm -hmm. ha like she's admitted in the previous episode she now f knows what it feels like to already be dead you know so she's kind of like refinding herself in this thing she also talks about how she hasn't had sex in forever and she's like mm -hmm. she asks ada that question so it's it's one of those things where I think she's just kind of she's Polly, man. She's like a she's like a cowgirl. She just goes <laughs> she's like in the wild west. Mm hmm That's why she's irreplaceable. It's really just the trio. Yeah, you got Tommy, Arthur, and Polly. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Finn. 
Finn has a big episode here. You know what happens to him? No. Well, the because the girls are in charge, they immediately they immediately give Finn some uh, some flack. Uh, the fact that he's a virgin, and so oh. they make it a point to get a prostitute so that he can become a man. <laughs> which it, which is important to Tommy because he alludes in this episode that it's time for him to fill in John's role. Yeah. You know, he's the blood brother. It's just not Michael at the end of the day. And it seems that blood matters to the Shelbys. It's not like, I think the Greys can step into the role, but it's really a Shelby job, right? Yeah. So if if you're not Shelby with that last name, then you can't really be a part of the, the three brotherhood. You got to be a Shelby. Yeah. What do you think of... Uh tommy taking lizzie to this place i think tommy's trying to put the ghosts behind him i think he's you know grieving his lost wife i think his other love before that was probably the girl that jesse mentions and he sees that lizzie's a good woman and somebody who's been there for him through the dark times and so i think he's trying to kind of almost like exercise this place that's a happy memory for him and bring somebody else that he cares about to the at least that's the way I interpret the scene. Hmm. It's like Tommy kind of touching base with his old self. You know, he at this point says he wants to increase charitable donations and open yeah. more homes for destitute children. It's, you know, it's it's a light into the good side of Tommy in the midst of this war. Right. What did you think kind of, of the whole Lizzie? Tommy I mean, at, at first I thought it was a bit weird out of all places to come here. Um, but he does end up mentioning that he promised somebody would change, and this is where that happened. It does. So I mean, it, it kind of changes. I don't know if I'm misremembering what the girl looked like, but Lizzie does have kind of like the same kind of look to her as the girl in the photograph. And you know, if you want, you know, maybe Tommy was reliving a memory through through Lizzie in a sense at the canal. Very well, could be. I, I feel like she does look a little similar. A little. Yeah. I wonder... Um, with Tommy at this point, it's probably just he wants... He he appreciates people he can trust. Mm-hmm. By the way, this whole vendetta kind of started because Lizzie was dating uh, Angel Chancretta. <laughs> <That's laughs> and true. then John Boy cut his face up. It's... You know, it's funny, like you said, all the relationships matter because, you know, Tommy, Mm -hmm. Tommy forbid John boy from marrying Lizzie. And here he is taking his relationship with her to the to the next level. Would he have done this if John was still alive? You know, probably still because I don't think he gives a damn. And he probably he he probably been with her. He probably selfishly stopped John from marrying her because of because he feels he has a claim on her. That's that would be my guess. I would imagine. I would imagine so. I mean, because he was a frequent with her during, before, and after all of that. Exactly. All right. The key scene of the episode in the cliffhanger. Tommy meets with Luca Changretta at a very nice-looking bar, lounge, We need to find club. around here. Yeah. I mean, we're overdue to find our, our go-to old-fashioned spot, you know? Mm-hmm. I, w- I wish people still dressed, you know, like this, to, same, you know, to go out and it's just uh, not not 
flip-flops and shorts. It's just not classy, man. It's not at all. Now, this uh, this scene left me with the most questions. Okay. Fire away. I just don't... Well, I... But elaborate. I mean, the, the, the question that I... I mean, they seem like they know each other or have known each other or grew up together. Who? Luca and Polly? Luca and Polly. Is that the case or am i misinterpreting something well he says that his mother knew Polly, like her whole life well that's true his mother was uh the teacher of tommy and arthur as well mm-hmm. which so guess, which makes sense. tommy was right wanting to have her killed as well yeah because luca mentions that the way he's getting his information is through his mother right mm-hmm. so without that information this vendetta would not be possible do you buy Polly turning on Tommy here and giving up? Like, what were your thoughts, or what are your thoughts in terms of? Yeah. Would she at this point? Is she at the point where she would truly give Tommy up here? Is there? Is it really running through her head here? Her, I think she loves her son, and she currently loathes Tommy. Just with everything that's gone. I mean, Tommy's killed her, essentially, is, I think, her perspective on this. The only thing left alive at this point is Michael. Yeah. He was almost killed. He wasn't at the gallows. He wasn't going to be hung. My question was always in this scene, how did they... They don't mention at all. Like, how did they get the the note out to Changretta? If they knew where Changretta was... Why not just go kill him? Why do this whole thing with Polly meeting him at the bar? You know? I wondered that as well. Maybe there's like some unspoken rules, like 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 rules of war or something. I mean, you, you used to fight people and go to battle in different ways. And there was, there's, I mean, there still is some to it. But, you know, there was rules to the way that you would battle and how you would fight. Yeah, well, the, maybe you just never. But I mean, then again, they went up on uh, John Boy's home and shot him. So, well, the deal between Polly and Luca is to save Michael, Arthur, and Finn, and pretty much everybody but Tommy. Which seems like that would be a Tommy order, by the way. Right. It seems could like be. it. It could be. You know, it's not like everything he's done for the most part, even when he's lied to his family, has been to protect them mm-hmm. from the knowledge that he has, right? Season one, mm-hmm. he protects them from the knowledge of the stolen weapons. It's only through their insistence that they find out about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, did find it oh, interesting. We'll I just, I, I didn't like the fact that we got no lead up. It was just like a surprise meeting between Luca and Polly. I, I just wish there would be a little bit more of the strategy of what's going on with the vendetta. See, and and that bit of it was what kind of made me think like maybe they knew each other and yeah you know, they, when they were kids like it was like oh I don't think they're this I this. don't think they're the same age though Zach I don't think they're the same age I think Luca's closer to uh, to Tommy's age than to Polly's hmm. could be yeah or are they probably closer to Arthur's age Arthur is older yeah so and Lu- and Luca is the oldest brother so so it makes the most sense all right that yeah. wraps the actual episode itself the episode ends on that deal between Polly and luca being made and Polly walking away and refusing to dance with him mm-hmm. well let's get into your uh magnificent I got questions a few. i got a few 
(laughs) (laughs) Most memorable character of the episode. Of the episode. Um, Hmm. Arthur? That's the one I've got. I don't think Tommy's that memorable in this episode. Believe it or not. No, this this whole episode was around Arthur. I mean, the the entirety of the episode was really around Arthur. Everybody was trying to get him to come with the grips that you know tradition needs to be done away with, and he doesn't need to feel like he has to be the one to kill Luca. I'd have to give it to Arthur. If uh, mm-hmm. if there if there was a second place, it goes to Luca. Simply yeah. on that scene where he's shoving a, a dry bread loaf down his associates shut your fucking mouth yeah 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 that's great um well i guess i'll go i'll jump to that that next then best line of the episode hmm let me think about this if you have one you go first here all right mine is i can't remember the words but it's the entire like two minute spiel from the foreman Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> I like the, it. I like that. Yeah, it was a good one. It was a good one. O- only person to ever make me, you know, think like, oh no, Tom, you got this one wrong. I've got, I've got the line here, and I have it pulled up actually. Oh boy, it's my favorite part of the episode, or one of them. It's when Ada tells Polly to behave, and she goes. Was working for this company. I've killed a man. I've lost a man. I have found a son. I have almost lost a son. I have almost lost my own life. Now I will accept my <laughs> job back if the terms on offer are favorable. But I will not behave myself. That's a that's a damn good line. It is. Linda also has a good one, and it's advice from her drunken Catholic mother, as she calls her. She says. <laughs> keep his balls empty and his belly full. <laughs> yeah. She says that is what her mother, that's what her mother's advice was to her on how to keep her husband happy. Oh my God. And, uh, that was, uh, and that was one of the moments I wrote down that just stood out to me. It was like, <laughs> it was like this really weird pirates of the Caribbean vibe that I got from her. Of just, you yeah. Know, like she just turns into a complete and, pirate in this episode. Yeah. 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 All right. Best scene of the episode. You know, by the way, your guy, Niall, the foreman, his name is Niall uh-huh. Devlin. He does have a good one. He says, Mr. Shelby, may I tell you something? <laughs> you have a lot of enemies. <laughs> well, it's it's so true. It is good. It's a good uh, episode. All right. What are you going to ask me? Best scene. I think the Jesse Eden scene with Tommy is the best scene. The We learn a little bit more about Tommy's background and mm. Jesse Eden's background. And I thought that was a, I love that scene. It's a, it's a good one. Got you. I have two, actually. My first one is uh, Arthur's battle in the shop or in the warehouse. Okay. I always love seeing Arthur in action. But my second one is him firing the bullet and coming to grips with the fact that he's not going to be the one to kill Luca. I like the scene with, um, with Arthur and obviously killing the two guys. But... Not my favorite scene in the episode. No. Well, speaking of not your favorite scene in the episode, what was the most annoying moment of the episode for you? I've got one. Mm, I'm not mad at the incompetence of the assassins because if they were good, then Arthur dies in this episode. Yeah. Uh, Can't be mad at that. (laughs) 
probably just a lack of background as to how this meeting with Polly and Changretta took place. All right, all right. Mine is the meeting between Michael and his adopted mother. Really? Yeah. I don't I don't like seeing Michael continue to spiral down this dark hole of just resentment. Woe is me and blah exactly. blah blah. Yeah. Just like get over it. Like what He was just shot like There's, twenty times. I mean he was, but there's been nothing that we've been shown to make us know why he would not like his adopted parents at all. He knew he knew them for like his entire life. Well other than the past year. If we're gonna get deep here, wasn't Michael at like a orphanage or like he went to this church and the the priest touched him? That's true. His parents put him in that place. I don't Did know. They, or was that if was I was if I was an actor and they told me like you have to like draw up this thing like maybe there was like a whole background there with the parents. They seem like good parents, but maybe it was a really effed up upbringing. We, we don't know. Mm. I don't know. Could have been. <laughs> she seems like a nice lady though. I'll be honest with you. She's bringing some apples with her. Oh, I know. Obviously, the, it wasn't that bad because he, his reaction to the father dying is definitely one of of sadness. But he yeah. he just seems to disregard his loved ones pretty quickly mm-hmm. i'll say yeah well that's all i got for questions okay that's it that's all you got that's man? It, man that's like all of them i did i threw one more and then we normally do damn best scene best line most memorable character I'm a little, most annoying I'm moment i'm a little disappointed i'm a little disappointed all right that's well, that's you know, it we're gonna have to figure some other ones out and drop them up in here i'm messing around <laughs> messing around all right, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. Um, just to gear you up, like I said, I will be out of town. So I will be the one at fault for the lack of season four being completed in the next week. Uh, however, the next episode you will probably hear from us or see on the feed, aside from this one, of course, will be our recap of Stranger Things season four mm-hmm. or part four, as they call it. So be on the lookout for that. Please follow subscribe rate us five stars and uh, sleep well at night after you do that because you're gonna sleep like a baby as soon as you do that you know it's just great sleep right zach when you rated us five stars like how did you sleep the next day yeah i mean you feel like you achieved something wonderful right so life changing like a baby yeah Yeah. exactly all right (laughs) uh to the outro all right well thank you for listening to season four episode three of the peaky blinders podcast by story archives you can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts apple google and spotify podcasts you can visit us on instagram at story archives and you can visit our website at storyarchives.themidnightexchange.com however we are changing our podcast network so it is no longer the midnight exchange it is now the soapbox podcast network so go and visit our website over at soapbox.house and you can see all of the podcasts that we have there along with some uh you know upcoming podcasts that we will be producing content for and uh yeah there's a whole bunch of links to the to other networks other podcasts that you can take a look at there and we're looking forward to seeing you on some of those awesome thank you all for tuning in until next time stay peaky